Whoa. Whoa, what's that? That sounds like a phone call. Hey, everybody. We have moved into our new segment, our next segment, Straight Talk. That's going to be with me, Father Craig Vosick, your host today. We're excited to bring you this segment on Real Presence Live called Straight Talk. It's your opportunity to share your questions or comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. When you hear the sound effect, which you just did, you get to call in to 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Or you can send your questions, your comments to us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. So this is Straight Talk with me, your host, Father, Father Craig Vosick, for the next 25 minutes. This is going to be fabulous, people. I don't like being lonely. I don't like being alone when we get to this segment. I like lots of people to call in. So don't be afraid. I think some people are afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm fairly nice sometimes. I can be kind of kind from time to time. So Real Presence Live hosts Straight Talk. Today it's with me. Here's the number again. 877-795-0122. You can call in anytime also go to facebook.com real presence radio they have a spot there for you to put in comments or various thoughts and i've shared it onto my own facebook page father craig vasek and you can get at it there it's also on twitter it's all over the place so even if you're a little hesitant to hop on the live radio you can do it on facebook but i'll, I'll tell you be courageous today uh, sometimes if you're on a national show, you can't uh, get you have to get in line you have to wait uh, you don't have to wait come on call, call on in Number here again, 877-795-0122. You can ask anything. You can say whatever you like. If I need to censor it, I will. But you can say whatever you like and we'll talk about it. It's going to be great. You have a personal priest just to hang out with for the next 25 minutes, brothers and sisters. It's going to be great. We've got a comment coming to us from Facebook. What do we got here? He would like... We have a listener, Earl, who would like to have me describe something. So he's indicating that he thinks there are three different celebrations of the Mass in the extraordinary form. Uh, the low Mass, the Misa Cantata, and the high Mass. Not sure if those are the proper terms, he says. And then that there's also a word Tridentine in that mixture. He's really enjoying that Mass in that form and wants to put it out there for others to learn more about it as well. He thanks me and uh, just wants me to describe the three different celebrations. Okay, so Earl, thanks for your comment. Thanks for your question. I'm glad that you're enjoying the Holy Mass. Uh, the Holy Mass comes to us in many forms. Uh, in the Western Church, in the Roman Church, we have two forms. Uh, the Novus Ordo, the New Order, which is what typically everybody's seeing in their parishes day in and day out, is um, the Mass promulgated from the Second Vatican Council. Uh, it was a reform and a... Um, a reform and a revision of the order of the Mass, um, and then with with new ways of expressing it uh, in the modern time, uh, after 1965. I think at 1962, I think the first document came out, Sacrosanctum Concilium, and then uh, it came into effect somewhere between 1967 and 1971 in various places, because they needed to uh, make sure that all the different language groups had access to it. That's the typical form that we're all seeing, the new Mass. Uh, the extraordinary form, we call it, uh, is uh, the Mass from prior to the Second Vatican Council, uh, which uh, fell out of use because it was 
adjusted at the Second Vatican Council, but there were uh, a number of people and groups and various people who uh, really enjoyed it or, or missed it or, or didn't want to lose it or whatever the thing might have been. Uh, and so it uh, was given provision in place to be used in the 80s. Uh, John Paul II allowed for it, and then Benedict XVI continued the extension of it and actually... Um, actually extended its use so that any priest at any time, if he's prepared to celebrate it, can celebrate the new Mass uh, by law, and then also the the, the older form of the Mass, um, he can do that as well. Uh, most bishops are uh, inviting the priests to continue celebrating the new Mass, you know, the Mass that we have from the Second Vatican Council, of course, uh, but then uh, in various places where there is a, a desire or a need or an interest uh, to, to make that available. Um, and so that's called the extraordinary form. Now, there are other forms of the Mass throughout the world. There are different rites of the Catholic Church throughout the world. And so there are different forms of Mass in those different places. There's the Ambrosian rite, the, there's the Byzantine rite. There's a number of different rites. Uh, but in the Latin Church, uh, the Roman Church, we have the new Mass, and then we have the extraordinary form. So in the extraordinary form, you're right, there is, there's a couple different forms. Um, the low Mass is just recite. Basically, everything is recited, and most things are fairly quiet. Uh, kind of a daily Mass sort of feel, I guess. Then there's a Misa Cantata, you're exactly right, uh, which is the same structure of a low mass, and then it has, uh, but all of the out loud parts are sung, a simple chant. So the Misa Cantata just means a, a sung mass, and it's fairly simple, uh, but uh, but includes the, the chanting of the various parts. And then, yes, you are right, there is a high mass. Now, there's a couple different types of high mass. There's a high mass, there's a pontifical high mass, there's a couple different forms, but this is, a, this is the highest form, and so you have uh, the priest or the bishop, and then you have uh, deacons and subdeacons and many other servers and a lot of more a lot more ceremonies and processions and uh, externals and all these um, different clothing items vestments and I mean it goes, goes kind of goes on and on it's very uh, very elaborate uh, this is where we probably get the term pomp and circumstances or bells and whistles um, except I've never heard any whistles um, actually I don't think I've ever heard a whistle at mass so it's not all the bells and whistles it's all the bells and incense we could say all the smoke and bells. Um, so yeah, those are f fairly used as the terms, the low mass, the misa cantata, and the high mass. Um, and and you're, you're on the way there. Uh, and then you're asking also about the word Tridentine. So Tridentine comes from Trent. Trent is a town in northern Italy, and there was a council there of the entire church in the 1500s around the time of the Protestant Reformation for the Catholic Church to talk about uh, how we want to present ourselves in the middle of this Protestant Reformation uh, to come together to understand what we're going to do. So that was the 1500s in the city of Trent in northern Italy. Uh, and so the ma there was a mass promulgated at that point um, by Pope Pius V, I think I'm saying that right, St. Pius V, uh, during that time. And so it's known as the Tridentine Mass. So it's the mass that was promulgated at Trent. Um, so a lot of people call it that. The traditional Latin Mass, a lot of people call it. Uh, what else do people call it? The the Usus Antiquor, the, the older form, the older use. Uh, what else do we call it? I think the people that are trying to be very technical are calling it the Mass of John the 23rd because the Tridentine Mass from Trent in the 1500s was made of there was a final revision in 1962 by John the 23rd or is that Pius VI at that point? I, I'm failing you, I'm sorry. But right in 1962, at the beginning of the council, before they reformed the Mass, they made a final revision. And that's the missile that's being allowed uh, for priests and others who want to use uh, the older form of the Mass. It's a missile from 1962, which goes all the way back to the 1500s, which goes all the way back to the 6th century in various places. So, 
Earl, thanks for writing in. I'm glad you're enjoying that form of the Mass. Jesus Christ is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity every time that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is celebrated. at 877-795-0122 877-795-0122 Straight Talk here with Father Craig Vasek We have a question coming to us from Anonymous Listening on 94.5 Anonymous, are you with us? Oh, very, very anonymous. Very, very anonymous. Oh, sorry, I, I misread my notes here. Sorry. Anonymous listening at 94.5. In talking about all of the reproductive health stuff here today, years ago, my husband, this is anonymous speaking, my husband was told he wasn't able to have kids. So we used donor sperm and had two kids from that. I've since been to confession and confessed it, but since I love my kids and am so grateful that they are in my life, I worry that I'm not truly sorry for what we did. Since I'm not truly sorry, do I need to keep confessing this sin? Anonymous, I am, uh, I'm glad you reached out. I'm very glad that you reached out, and uh, this is very sensitive, actually. Um, so when we talk about ACT, moral actions, um, and the acting human person. When I choose something, uh, whether it is good or whether it is bad, I'm responsible for the action. Uh, afterward, recognizing uh, regarding the action that has been done, whether it was a good action or it was not a good action, I can repent and I can confess. At that point, uh, I'm forgiven for the action and I, God wants me, uh, the, the absolution itself in confession says, may God give you pardon and peace. So you receive pardon, forgiveness, and peace. That means peace of conscience uh, so that you can go forward in joy. So, um, so you, that's what I want you to definitely know is that uh, when you recognized uh, that, it was, that you ought not to have done this, uh, you've confessed it, uh, then we're done with it. Now, we need to make a distinction here. Um, I can be sorry for an action, uh, but, I can, but there can be things that have come after that that God has allowed or permitted and various things in the world that can be, that can be good, that can be excellent. And in this case, uh, children. Uh, children are good in themselves. And so you, uh, you must. You must love your children. You must care for them. Uh, you must uh, cherish them uh, and not count against them uh, anything that has gone on in, in any, any personal past uh, at all. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, it's good to make that distinction, I think, um, that, that we can recognize that something wasn't right that I did something that wasn't allowed, uh, but that God has permitted something, that God has brought something good uh, from this situation and to celebrate the good uh, which has come about. And, we, and I could use many, many, many examples of uh, uh, times where God has brought good out of my bad, uh, where I've maybe hurt somebody, and then uh, I had to apologize to that person, but then we were able to reconcile and we were able to actually have a great conversation. And I can be thankful for everything that has come from that, uh, even as I regret personally any wrong that I may have done. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, you, you, you mentioned that you're not truly sorry. Well, you can be sorry for doing something, uh, or you can recognize that something was, was not 
a good to do, but you can you can celebrate and be joyful for uh, for the good that God has brought uh, out of that from all of that. And so, so I think I'd leave it there. Uh, you've confessed it. You don't need to keep confessing a sin. Uh, you don't have to keep confessing a sin until you become more and more and more sorrowful or start to become sorrowful for your children or something. You, that we actually don't want you to do that. God doesn't want you to become sorrowful for your children uh, at all. He wants you to celebrate them and love them as you already are doing. So uh, it's making a distinction of, of what, what is permitted and what is not permitted and coming uh, owning up to that and bringing that to the Lord and then moving forward in peace. Uh, going forward in peace with pardon. May God give you pardon and peace. And your sins are absolved. They're taken away by the priest in confession. So I hope, I hope that's helpful. Uh, I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad you asked. And, uh, and I want you to be at peace. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for, uh, for, for bringing that forward to us. We're honored by your, by your vulnerability there. Anonymous. Thank you for listening on 94.5. Brothers and sisters, here we are. A straight talk with Father Craig Vosick. Here's the phone number. We're going for another 10, 15 minutes. 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Straight talk with me. We're here at Real Presence Live. You can also go on Real Presence Live uh, Facebook page at Real Presence Radio, and I also shared it at my Facebook page, Father Craig Vosick. You can ask questions, you can give comments, you can ask the, the church's perspective on something, you can ask about something going on in the world, but I have to be honest, I don't, I don't read or watch much news at all. I have so many things going on in my life right around me and so much to care for and to pay attention to. I find that I don't even have time. Well, I don't make the time, I should say. I don't even make the time. So if you bring up something that's going on in uh, some other part of the world, I might not be all that uh, keen uh, or up to date on it, but I'm happy still to talk about principles and procedures from the Catholic perspective. So 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Straight talk with me, your host, Father Craig Vasek. I, to, to be honest with you, brothers and sisters, I'm still kind of hung up. I'm still kind of hung up on this notion of sovereignty. Who is sovereign? Who reigns over me? Who reigns over you? Who has the right to tell me to do anything? As I mentioned, God tells us who we have rights over. In Genesis, he tells us we have rights. We have to exercise dominion over the creatures and the plants uh, in the garden. But he does not give us permission to have dominion over ourselves. We are subject. We are under the sovereignty of God, the one who reigns over us. So take, uh, if you remember, brothers and sisters, uh, Brittany Maynard. Uh, she was uh, promoting herself as her right to die uh, out in Oregon. Uh, talking about uh, how she she has the right to end her own life in her own way. In an interview that she gave, she asks this very question. She says, with regard to whether she should be able to choose the day of her death with medicine and various things, she says this, who has the right to take this choice away from me? And that means this choice of choosing whether I'm going to live or whether I'm going to die. Who has the right to take this choice away from me. The choice being whether she wants to live or not. It's a good question if you don't believe in God. Who does have the right? 
And so you might have to approach it from the common good. Well, guess what? We believe as humans that life is better than death. And so the perspective of humanity is that living is better than dying and that we ought not take people's lives. Actually, we understand that. I do not have the right to take your life. I should not take my own life either. I don't have the right over my life. We are not sovereign over life. We are here as humans to support life, to foster life in every, in every area of science, in every area of ethics, in every area of study and research. It's about how to extend and prolong and to care for life. That's what we do. That's absolutely what we do. And so when Brittany Maynard asks this question, who has the right to tell me or to take away this choice for me? Even from a common good perspective or natural law perspective or logical perspective or reasoning or common sense perspective, even before we get to a religious perspective, uh, we do not have sovereignty over our own bodies. We don't. We simply don't. So anyway, that's, um, that's me continuing my thoughts about this whole sovereignty issue. We're in the middle of straight talk where you get to call in and ask me questions and give comments on the Catholic faith or anything else. The number here is 877-795-0122. We're going to go to a question that we have, but 877-795-0122. With any questions, comments on Facebook, we'd love to hear from you. Real Presence Radio Facebook page and on the phone, 877-795-0122. We have Emily from Fargo with a question. Let me see here. Dad passed away a year ago. I should probably read these questions before I answer them, but I'm... Hey, Emily, you're on the phone. Fantastic. <laughs> Hi. All right. You've got a question for us. I do. Um, okay, so my dad passed away a year ago, and um, my my daughter is four right now, um, and... Um, okay, sorry. My, my dad, my my family is not Catholic. Yeah. I'm a convert. Mm-hmm. And so um, he passed away, and just recently my, da- my daughter has been talking a lot about my dad. And it was just his birthday recently, and um, on his birthday my, my daughter told me um, that Papa looks different. And so I asked her, what do you mean? And she said, well, he sort of looks like daddy, like my husband. Um, and so I, I think she was trying to tell me that he looks younger. Um, and my dad would have had dark hair like my husband. Um, and, and so then I asked her again, you know, where does she see him? Because previously she told me that she like plays hide and seek with my dad <laughs> or with Papa. Um, and when I asked her again, she said that uh, she she saw him like at my parents' house, and they have a pool, and um, she sees him in the pool with her. Like she, he teaches her how to swim. She said, and my dad was an excellent swimmer. Um, and so some of these things just seem too real for her imagination. Um, so can I have any insight on that or how much do I, you know, um, believe of that or, you know, 
as Catholics, do we believe that, um, like, my dad can come back um, to reveal himself to my daughter? And is, would he be younger? Um, is there any teaching on that? Yeah, the, Emily, this is uh, this is very, there's a lot going on here. Thank you for calling in and yeah. sharing this. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. So there is there is some teaching on this, but there's some openness on this as well. And there's some just unknowns about this. Uh, in, because we don't, God has revealed everything that we need to know uh, for the salvation of our souls. Uh, and And it's, you know, so with regard to faith and morals, this is what God has revealed for the salvation of our souls that we might get to heaven. We don't, he's revealed some things about the supernatural or the invisible. Uh, he's revealed some things about angelic uh, beings and the communion of the saints. He's revealed, so God has revealed some things about these various things, but there has not been a, a full revelation of every dimension of how uh, those who have died, um, uh, whether they're in purgatory or in heaven, how there is, an, what the interaction is between uh, between those who are communing with God in eternal life and uh, what's going on here on earth. There's not a full teaching, but I, I'm going to do a little cop-out, but then I'll share something as well. Uh, Father Robert Spitzer, uh, and there's maybe someone else out there that's doing it just as good as him, but Father Robert Spitzer is uh, a phenomenal priest who examines these things from a scientific, theological, uh, phenomenological perspective. So I'd really point you to him. Father Robert Spitzer, uh, the Magis Center, he's got a number of uh, websites out there. So if you just put in Spitzer, you're going to find he's got books, he's got teachings, he's got websites, he has all sorts of things. And he talks about near-death experiences regularly. He talks about uh, visits from... Uh, from uh, the spiritual realm regularly. He addresses these things and he's phenomenal. And so there is something to say about it and he's very cogent. He's very, uh, he's very wise and he's very helpful. So that's my cop-out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cop-out to him for him to explain this to you at some point. <laughs> but we can say some things here. Uh, anybody who has created, uh, it belongs to God. And so God is sovereign over, we've been talking about sovereignty. God is sovereign over the angels. He is sovereign over uh, those who are on earth right now. And he is sovereign over all those who have died and are now living in heaven and purgatory. Even those who are in hell, uh, the demons, he's sovereign over that. He's allowing, but we're not going to go into that, but he's allowing evil to, to manifest itself. But he's sovereign over everything. And so anybody who is communing with God, so take a, a human who has died, who's living uh, with God in heaven, God can interact with humanity in whatever form that he wants. He can permit any angel at any time to come to earth and do something. Uh, and we see angels regularly being sent by God as messengers. God could come directly, but he allows angels to come. He could also do the same with the souls of the just. Uh, that is, people who are in heaven. He can allow them to come and to visit people on, in, on earth if he wants to. Now, this is where we just say he can do it. Uh, there's not a, a very clear teaching uh, on how that would all work. But, uh, and I'll also say this and then maybe I'll uh, ask for your further thoughts. Uh, God can also uh, send an angel, okay? God can send an angel to, uh, to reveal something of someone else, of it, let's say a human, let's say in this case dad. Uh, God could send an angel to, to come to your child and, and sort of show an emanation of, of your dad. Um, and God can do that by sending an angel. So it could be an angel that is sent to, uh, to have your father's emanation come and not necessarily your, your father directly. But it could be in God's providence. God can, God can allow all of this. Um, 
So, for example, our, our understanding of the intercession of the saints, we can, we can talk to God, we can talk to Jesus in heaven, we can also ask the souls that are united to him in heaven uh, to intercede for us. That doesn't mean that they're going to come down and, and uh, reveal themselves in their face, but we know that we're, there's a communion there, and our communion with them is not broken. So we know from that that our communion is not broken. There could be something, uh, there could be something more that we, just, we don't fully understand and hasn't been revealed. So I've said a few things there, Emily. Does any of that help? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the name. I will definitely look that up. Um, I guess my last question would be: um, we've we've had several masses for my dad, and uh, we pray, um, you know, for him regularly. Um, do we? Keep, I mean, I know that um, you know. I guess prayers are never wasted, um, but does does this give me? Um, is home, or do we, you know, I guess <laughs> I'm wondering, like, does this mean that we should be praying for him more or saying more masses for him, or, you know, are, am I able to maybe, like, rescue a little more that he has shown, shown this? Yeah. Right, right. So we make a we make a distinction uh, between public revelation and private revelation in the Catholic Church. Public revelation is things that we know that God has revealed for our salvation and, and facts about reality, facts about about life. A private revelation would be any time that God or a human person experiences something of God that seems uh, that seems that God has shown it, uh, but that the Church does not weigh in on and say that it is for a fact the case. And so this would fall into uh, a private revelation, which is uh, an experience that the family is having, uh, which is not going to be weighed in on by the church as true or false, um, and that is for individual discernment uh, uh, to to follow then, to address God. And the best, here's what I typically do when someone has an instance of private revelation. I, uh, let's say it was a dream or an image or something that's happening. I say, now that that's happened, go to prayer. Go to prayer and talk to mm-hmm. God about it, uh, and then find and then find out from there how He wants you to to, to take what has just happened, or uh, the experience that has happened, or these things, and to find to go forward with a place of peace uh, with regard to what God is now inviting because of the thing that has just happened. So that's what I would say. It's not a stamp of approval, or or is it a rejection of of, of something that might have happened? Um, but my best suggestion would now to go to God and to talk to God about what has happened and to see um, to see what where his leadership is is going uh, with regard to it now with regard I want to say something uh, with regard to um, the the age that dad might have looked. The St. Thomas Aquinas, this is just a, a final thought. St. Thomas Aquinas says that Jesus died at the perfect age, which was 33, because everything Jesus did was perfect. And so it's often held that no matter what age we are, that we would probably sh- we would probably end up in heaven at the perfect age, whatever that is. But that's just a, that's a theological opinion of St. Thomas Aquinas. So a person could appear at a different age um, in glory. Um, but really, it's uh, we have a glorified body, supernaturally united to God. And so age is not necessarily, it's just we're in perfection. So that'll be the last thought. Anyway, thanks for your phone call. Do we have time for one more? We'll take one last question. Uh, Bill from Moorhead, you're on the phone. Bill? Okay. We're, we're going to cut off there. We have one last... 
<laughs> heard wonderful things. A, a, a person on the phone uh, that was uh, on the line, they heard wonderful things about Father Vasek and what he, uh, what does he teach at the university. One of the visitors at the university says he's an amazing young priest. Oh, this is wonderful. I'm glad I get to speak so well about myself <laughs> on the radio. I'm glad to be here at the University of Mary. I don't teach anything. I don't teach a thing. Uh, I hang out in the athletic department supporting our student-athletes, uh, 450-plus student-athletes with 17 different NCAA teams, uh, but I don't teach in one classroom. However, I should say something, nothing for credit. I do work with our athletes on a daily basis, going into the various teams and assisting them in growing as a human being, human, growing in virtue and character, understanding how uh, growing as a human relates to sport and how uh, competing in sport relates to life. Uh, so that's a daily, day-in and day-out um, element of my life. It's not for credit, so I'm not getting paid for that. I'm not getting, uh, I'm not getting like magnificent tenure as a professor of the university or something like that. But I'm all right with that, actually. If they asked me, I suppose if they asked me, I'd have to talk to my, to my boss about it. Uh, but, uh, but right now, I'm, 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 I'm full-time working with our student-athletes in that way. So thanks uh, for letting me promote myself. He is an amazing young priest at the university. That's fantastic. Brothers and sisters, glad to be with you here uh, for Straight Talk with me. We had great questions, great call-ins, great comments on Facebook. Really wonderful.